Fuck what you heard. It's what you hearing. What you hearing? It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. X gon' give it to ya. Fuck wait for you to get it on your own. X gon' deliver to ya. Knock knock. Open up the door. It's real. It's the non-stop pop pop stainless. On this episode of Estate the X, I'm talking to Michael Paul, the founder of Michael Paul Estate Agents. He's the senior partner in Michael Paul Estate Agents, which was formed in 1994 and now operates from nine branches across Teesside. He was sworn in as the Justice of Peace for the Cleveland Commission area in 1998 and currently bench chairman for Cleveland Magistrates Court. He's currently a board member at Teesside University and Brecon Hill Primary School and was appointed as Deputy Lieutenant of County Durham in 2014 and appointed with the approval of the Queen as Vice Lord Lieutenant in 2020-21. He's heavily involved in supporting disadvantaged families and individuals through charity involvement and is also Chair of the Teesside Family Foundation. And his estate agency regularly lists and sells over 200 properties every single month. Michael Paul has great experience in the sector and in this episode we talk about what it takes to go from starting an estate agency to building a nine branch organisation, the differences that you find along the way and why it is after all this time that he's decided to completely reinvent the way his estate agency works. This is Estate Agency X. What you hearing? What you hearing? What you hearing? Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. X gon' give it to ya. Fuck wait for you to get it on your own. X gon' deliver to ya. Knock knock. Open up the door. It's real. Welcome to the show. Um, on today's episode, I'm chatting to Michael Paul. Uh, thanks for coming on, Michael. Um, Michael runs an estate agency up in the northeast of England. Uh, we'll learn a little bit more about it as we go through the episode. Um, but to start us off, uh, Mike, could you just give me a bit of a background on how you ended up starting the company in the first place? Well, that's a long story. Um, <laughs> I think basically I went, I went through the process of, of school, college, everything else. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then suddenly got talking to somebody who said, you fancy being an estate agent? I went to Australia for six months, came back and thought, yeah, it's probably not a bad idea. Um, got a job um, with a firm who sacked me after nine months because I was no good at it. <laughs> um, and then it just, it, just, it just evolved from there. Got a couple of jobs, got a bit more switched on to what I was doing, and uh, then gradually went up the chain of becoming a manager, becoming a partner, getting bought out, setting back up again leaving and then setting back up again on my own in 1994. So it was quite, it it wasn't a planned um, trek uh, and and neither was opening nine offices. It's all, I've I've been extremely lucky and that just somebody upstairs is looking down on me, I'm sure it is. Because it's certainly not through planning, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, you know, the the, the amount of estate agents you talk to, including myself, uh, who just sort of fell into that industry, it seems to be the most common way of of falling into it and then potentially falling into opening their own estate agents as well. Yeah, I think something when I was about probably mid-30s, maybe late-30s, something inside me said, you know, you really need to be doing it yourself here and and that just kept eating away until um, I eventually did it. And that's not an easy route for anybody. It's going away from that... uh, 
fur-lined rat trap of a salary and all the other things to say, well, actually, can I can I do this? And, you know, I, I, through the years, what I've done is I've done things and regretted it later, but it's, it's worked out all right. Yeah, absolutely. So, but so, so that leads to me on to the next point then, really, which is um, a lot of the estate agents that I find myself talking to, because, you know, obviously we don't really deal with big corporations that much, mm-hmm. um, are between one to one to four branches, that sort of thing, small independents, quite sort of nimble businesses. Um, what what do you think made you continue to go on and on and on and open nine branches as opposed to maybe, you know, getting stuck or stopping at, at one or two? I often look back on that and think, yeah, if I'd stuck with one, I would have um, better sleep at night and uh, probably wouldn't make as much money and, and being as successful as we are, I mean, I, I do like the number crunching. I like the fact that we sell over 200 units a month and list over 200 units a month. I think that's great. Uh, it's probably, there's probably a bit of ego in there, you know, which is which is very silly, really. Um, but, it, you know, there's a, there's a lot of that. It, it's a case of, um, I've opened branches on the basis that I've been in the town, seen a unit, thought, actually, it'd be good to have an office there. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how, you know, that's how bad my business planning is. But it, it, but it's worked out, and, and again, you know, the reason it works out is because you put the right people in there. Yeah, you know, you know, it's, you know, in terms of technology and people, which are the key um, elements to our business, um, if you get those ingredients right, you can you can be anywhere. And, and I'm still a big believer that we need to have units on the high street as well as have a significant online presence. So I think it's, I've you know, I've been through the mill. I've been in a, a small practice of one, two, three offices. Um, got taken up by the corporates as a lot of us did in in in, in the heyday um which i'd love to come you know i'd love for them to come back again if they did because i'm just about the right age now <laughs> um but you know it, and, and we learned a lot through that process as well we learned a lot about mortgages and and, and all the ancillary business that we could pick in and, and i think it's um having multiple offices helps me service a lot of customers yeah and, and in teesside in particular our branches are very close to each other so we have a lot of interaction uh, from people from moving from one location to another, and we can we can we can have people buying and selling through our operation basically, which which I think is a great thing to have. Where did you like, find the sort of, uh, or maybe you never did, I don't know, but was there a point whereby, you know, you've you've been an estate agent, you've decided to go out on your own, I'm going to do this for myself. You're a young startup business where you you know you sort of just hoping that it doesn't all go badly and you want to sell a few houses, then you go on to branch two and branch three. Where was the point, the sort of tipping point where you started looking at it from a more analytical point, point of view and saying, well, hold on a minute, this isn't just now, let's just open random branches. We need a bit more of a structure here. Yeah, so, so year one, 1994, I was the valuer, the mortgage consultant, the company viewer, the cleaner, the negotiator which was good because you could do everything. And, you know, I was licensed to do mortgages and, and all the things that went with it. And so that was great. And that was great from a customer point of view as well, because you're dealing with one person. You've got support staff, other negotiators, but they're dealing with one person. And the, the hardest point was then going into Office 3. Office 2 was fine. I could cover both of those. Office 3 was a point of, I'm going to have to bring a valuer in here. That's, going to, that's somebody who's going to be doing my job. Yeah. And do I have confidence in doing that? And, and I got the right guy to do that. And, and once I'd gone past that point, it became easier to start delegating tasks to other individuals because it was working. 
And, but but I, I'm, true is I'm still of the ilk that I like to do things myself first. And, and that was very difficult to part with, but I could see the vision that the ego came in again, you know, I want boards all over Teesside. Hmm. It's very vain, that, isn't it? But I mean, that's... <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, I guess that's a, that's a part of starting your own business, to, to, to somehow want to stick it to somebody that says you can't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I had people said that, you know, and, and I had various people, particularly in 1994, it wasn't, it probably wasn't the best time to open up, but when is? You know, do you hit it when the market's high? Do you hit it when it's low? You know, you've got to have confidence in what you do, and then you've got to put 100%, well, 110% into it. And, you know, hence the... The sleepless nights and you know missing the holiday in the first year and various other things that you have to do did you ever did you ever on that journey of going from doing everything to trying to delegate stuff did you ever look for any sort of outside help or advice on how to do that or did you always just try and figure it out i just i just bundled along it just seemed to you know somebody as i say somebody was looking down on me obviously because it was just it was working right it was working right all the time and um it just kept the success, just kept building up and building up. And you know, the, the first aim, uh, what in, in, again going back to nineteen ninety four, the first aim was to say, right, if three people are going to get a state agent, are you going to be one of those three? Now, if I could be one of those three, that was great. But I tell you what happened in that first year, I was picking up business from people that I'd shown houses around five, six, seven years ago when, when I was working for other firms. And and what did stick in my mind is that's probably one of the most important points of our job that a lot of firms tend to disregard that, that company viewing uh, part of that role is the face of the estate agent. And yeah. again, I've probably put more effort and time and uh, money into doing that than, than a lot of our competitors have done. Yeah. Do you think, um, having been through that process now, whereby, you know, you've had, you know what it's like to start a small business, you know what it's like to then get past those three, three branches and then up past four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, um, when you look at it now, um, in terms of hiring new staff, you've kind of got over the idea that you're going to do every valuation and you're going to do every mortgage. Do you look at people differently when they come for a job um, as to how you might have looked at them when it was branch three? Yeah, I, th I think so. I think it's, it's, it's uh, pigeonholing people. So, you know, I've done it before in the past. I've opened branches on the basis I've got a member of staff who I thought, well, not a member of staff at that time, but I've got somebody I can take on here who would be great for that branch. Therefore, let's find a branch there and let's open it. And, and I think, I think again, it's looking at, um, we've never been really good in terms of interview process and anything else. It's a, in the old days, it was somebody you knew and thought, well, they're doing well, it's with a competitor, we'll take them. Yeah. Now it's very, very difficult. And, and I'll be quite honest, some of the more, more recent staff that we've taken on who are non-estate agency background are high flyers um, because they are customer focused. And, and how the whole industry has changed completely mm. to what it was in 1994 when it was a case of, you know, you had to be better than everybody else, but, you know, we're still probably taking Polaroid photographs and, and putting them under your arm in the winter to develop the image. You know, that's... Yeah. <laughs> it's a great point because, you know, when you think back, you think, um, you know, I can remember going out on valuations whereby the client didn't really have too much of an idea of what their property was worth to be honest you know i mean they could browse the paper and that sort of thing but you know the information wasn't readily available for them so our, our jobs really were giving them the confidence of showing those comparables and, and and talking to them and building a bit of rapport and trust and 
a lot of agents still do that. You know, a lot of people still talk about, oh, it's all about building rapport. And of course, you know, no one works with a company they don't trust, but I've got an idea of what my house is worth now. So it does start to become more about the customer experience, doesn't it? And, and the, the, the level of service and all of that sort of thing. It's completely different enough. I, I, again, going back to the, the, the older years, um, it wasn't so much about the customer. It was about what we do when we open these hours and we close these hours or whatever. And, and, it, and it was never as, as focused as it is now. And you're quite right. I think in the old days, we used to used to keep copies of the newspapers, the property papers every week to make sure we had some comps to go refer to when you were going to go out and advise on value. And, and you're right, the customer didn't have a clue. Uh, there, was no, there was no data openly available to source what was going on in the marketplace. And the whole process was completely different. I mean, I joke with my guys sometimes. In my heyday on, as a valuer, I would list 25 to 30 houses a week not a month, a week. I say that to my guys now, and of course they just sort of roll their eyes in the air. And but at, you know, at that time we didn't do floor plans, we didn't do internal photographs, and it was a case of you, you knock a set of details off before you've gone on your next visit. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it's completely but, different. But, but you're right because you know there was that uh, there was that sort of mentality even of more photos, less viewings. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we just want to photo the front. If you want to see the inside, I'll take you around. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a, you know, and that's what I, I, I'm really, really enthusiastic about now. The things that are available that are popping up all the time to enable us to do things I could never have dreamed of in the past. I mean, look at this now. We're having a, you know, we're having a, a call here on, on a screen that, that, you know, many years ago was a case of somebody would have to say that would, that would never happen. Yes. But, so, it's, yeah, exactly. But it's now how do we, how do we utilize all that um, tech? to make sure the customers get the best experience. I know, I know it sounds a bit cliche, but it is. And that's really what every agent has got to be focused on now. It's not what we want, it's what they want. And yeah. how do we make sure we do that in ribbons? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. So so um, just staying on that point for a minute, uh, because I feel like um, of all, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, people, suppliers mainly talk to me about oh you know there's this many agents in the market and blah blah blah. if you could get this amount and I'm always saying to suppliers actually there's not there's not that many agents in the market that would that would buy a product and I think it's probably the same for podcasts like there's the same four or five hundred agents that will go to events listen to podcasts collaborate with each other so from my knowledge the type of people that might listen to these uh, podcasts are your smaller independents, the people that are a bit more sort of trying to reinvent the way they work and make sure they stay on top of things. So, so just staying on that point for a minute, if somebody who's listening to this is two or three branches, um, if, if you could go back in time, uh, you were in their shoes, would you, would you say you really need to push on to a certain level of branches because certain things change for you as a business or would, would you give them some different advice? I think that the, um, the marketplace has changed completely now because we don't need to be in a town to get business in that town anymore, whereas 10, 15 years ago you did. And, and I still, we still need a presence there in many cases, but it depends on how, what, you, what your marketing philosophy is and how, you, how you're going to ensure that you, you 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 meet that marketplace i'm a big believer we try and push it you know we're, we're, we're online and on the high street and I, and I think that's very very important i was always brought up to believe you know invest in your properties so uh, wherever we could buy freeholds we would we would do that 
um, on the basis that we're building a good balance sheet for the future. That may well be the wrong way forward now. I mean, I, I'm certainly looking now, how do we get into towns where we don't have to physically open a branch because the cost of opening a branch is significant and the ongoing running of that is significant. Whereas if we could create a marketing presence online with a hub office, then that could be a good way forward. Um, but it, it gets to a point, depends on what you want to do. I, I'm very comfortable now with nine branches. If I had three, I, you know, as it is now, I'd probably still be very comfortable with it, but I'd probably try and say, well, how do I use some of the technology that's available now to get me into those other marketplaces without increasing my costs? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's a good point as well. You know, I often talk to agents about something similar that I, I remember talking to one, uh, an agent I've known for a long time. He, he works in South Woodford, uh, which is a small borough of London or just outside London. It's sort of arguable whether it's in or outside of London. But um, it, in terms of its radius, it's quite small. Um, and there's a, there's a, there's a little uh, town next to it called Loughton. And if you lived in South Woodford or you were an agent in South Woodford, you wouldn't really dream of saying you also cover this, this other yes. area, Loughton. And I said to him, but what's weird is that if on the news they announced, oh, they're redoing the postcodes and Loughton is now part of South Woodford, you'd immediately start selling houses there. Like, why are you constrained by this imaginary border <laughs> that doesn't exist? Yeah, I've had that from stuff in years gone by. It's a case of, you know, why, why do people in red car prepare to do this and yet people in the arm aren't prepared to do the same thing? You know, I keep saying, oh, what do they do? Do they, do they cross the river and change their heads or something? Yeah. You know, it's basically, sometimes you look at excuses and, and it's just having that positive attitude to say, right, how do we how do we captivate that market? So if I sell a house in um, Whitby or somewhere like that, which is out of my normal marketing zone, but I quite easily sell them from, from Teesside, what I would do to encompass more business in that town by showing how good we've been at selling a particular property. Yeah, signal it back to the market and let them know. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I make this point, you know, for sale boards, for me, are fantastic yeah. uh, advertising weapons. You know, people pay a lot of money to advertise on, on roundabouts and pay the local authority a lot of money for it. I'd rather pay somebody a few bob to have a sold board on the main road. Yeah. Because, that's, you know, it's that's where people see what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, that's a funny one because, you know, that idea that you can't work in another area and that people will only use an agent that's got an office in their town, I think maybe there's a demographic of people that might agree with that, uh, a younger demographic, which it seems to be the larger percentage now, probably don't care. And a funny way of looking at that that um, I sometimes think about and have heard other people say before is... Um, a lot of people look at it like, oh, why will why will millennials not go and stand in a uh, a branch of a bank? Mm. Um, why won't they do that? But actually, the right way of looking at it is probably, well, why do you want to go and stand in a bank <laughs> when you don't need to? <laughs> you know, and it's probably the same with the whole idea of selling properties in different areas, isn't it? It's it's, 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 it is mindset. And, 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 you know, again, I look at Redcar, we wouldn't have as many houses for selling Redcar if I didn't have a branch in Redcar. But again, there's a cost implication that goes with that. Um, and, and, you know, it's how, how, do you, how do you get it right? I don't know how you get it right, basically. It, it's a case of it's a different marketplace now than in what it was in 1994 when I started. And, and then going back to that, that question, I think, yeah, if I had three or four offices, I might say, well, that's enough and let's let's... Yeah. Make sure we can really maximise 
the customer service in those three or four branches to probably get the same revenue that you can get from 10 or 15. Yeah. Because it, again, in the old days with multiple offices, it was always a case. It was a bit like the in, in the circus uh, with the, with a plate spinning plate strong on poles, and, each, and that was each office. And you know, you set them all off, but by the time you got to the end, the first one stopped again. Mm. And, and it's all down to having the right people, having the right people in the right place at the right time. And that's the con that, that's the big issue now. How do you have motivated staff who have got apply apply common sense and deliver for you? And that is the over and above everything. Everything else works behind it. But we've got to look at our uh, frontline people as being PR people and having technology behind us now that can do effectively all the donkey work that needs to be done. And it needs to be done accurately and quickly and efficiently, but allowing the frontline staff to be able to talk to customers. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's like a, it's almost like a, just a complete change in what's required for a person to work in an estate agency. I think we are going through big changes at the moment, and, and I think the next the next stage forward, which is something I'm looking at now, and and, and I'm sure sure tech companies and, and various other people will look at it, is where we are let down at the moment is the conveyancing stage, hmm. because we do all the work in marketing, uh, we get a buy, we negotiate the sale, we send out the memorandum of sale, and the thing falls flat in its backside. And all the flack and all the problems that are going on from there to exchange of contracts are something that I think we need to get a grip on. You know, I think I think leave solicitors to do the legal bit, but they shouldn't be checking fencer certificates for windows, and that should be our job to do. And we need to take that over. And I think we we need to do that. We need to dictate what should happen in terms of that transaction. We are doing quite a few instant auctions at the moment, so we're giving people a certainty. So instead of Agents used to use a thing called best and final offers, which, to be honest, wasn't best more than final because of legislation. Yeah. So we, we now do instant auctions. So if we've got a property, we're going to get multiple offers. We can do an auction within 24, 48 hours, secure a deposit, get a contract signed, and we've got a done deal for buyer and seller. I mean, to me, why didn't, you know, why are we not doing that all the time? Yeah, absolutely. I was having a similar conversation the other day where I was saying there is an argument to say that it's up to the agent to say, we don't deal with chains. Yeah. You know, so that's fine. Go to another estate agent. I, I wonder how, you know, how much of an impact that would have. I know, like, you know, there's some logistics around it, but ultimately that's why it works so well in places like Australia, isn't it? It's like, you know, you've, <laughs> there isn't a chain. No, that's it. You know, we go back to where you were talking before, you know, why do you want to send in a, you know, in a queue at the bank? Yeah. Why do you want to do it? Why do you, why do you want to make an offer on a house that you know might or might not go through to a full transaction or not? And estate agency is full of that, isn't it? It's full of mites and might nots. Like, you know, can we let's take this guy out on a viewing that hasn't sold his house yet and hasn't even got it on the market? You never know; it might come to something one day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like it's like it's free to do, you know. So, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, and we we unfortunately we put up with it, and you know, we're the ones that should change it. And and you know, that's that's what it comes down to. But it's you know, we're all we've all got busy lives, and we get on with doing what we should do. And you know, the government will tamper with it every now and again. And, you know, I think we all know what happens there when the government does tamper with the property market, then it causes issues that um, affects the free market. So um, somebody that's thinking about uh, growing their business, as somebody that's been through that and has probably got a, you know, a revenue that many people would, would think, wow, if I could get myself to that level of revenue, everything in the world would be rosy. What new problems uh, arise in a company that 
you know, you never really foresaw once upon a time you would have, you know, if someone could have said, oh, uh, you know, Mike, in 20 years time, you're going to have this revenue. You'd have gone, wow, this is amazing. I'm just going to be sitting on the beach in the Bahamas. What new problems start to arise whereby actually if you get these ducks in order to start with, your growth will be a lot smoother than trying to figure it out when you've already got six branches. Yeah, you see, the revenue growth is great, but the cost growth links in very, very tightly to it. So you, you, sometimes you just got to be careful that we don't become busy uh, making no money at all. And sometimes we're affected by the marketplace that, that can, you know, the two-way crash and else can, can cause you immense, immense problems. So it's making sure you've got enough money stashed behind you to get, to get through the peaks and troughs. I, I think it's just it's a case of, you know, I wake up every day and I still do this. You know, what can we do better? That's that's always there, and that becomes, you know, my role in the firm has changed completely. It's more probably strategic now than it was hands-on operational. But you know, at the same time, I want to know what's going on. I'm looking at the figures all the time, and I, and I think that is it becomes it's like anything, you know, if you've got a pound, you want two pound, don't you? Yeah. You don't, but you don't want to lose a pound. Mm-hmm. So it's it's how do you keep moving that way forward to keep that growth, um, but at the same time keeping all the all the plates spinning. Do you think that's that issue of growing uh, revenue but not having to necessarily grow costs is something that can be solved with technology or do you just not have a way of solving it? No, no doubt about it. I, I, you know, I mean, the, the kit that we're using now, um, you know, I don't know whether we're doing well now because it's the way the marketplace is or whether we're doing well now because of what we're doing in terms of, you know, we're looking after customers now that are past, present and future with tech, um, you know, and, I, can't, I, you know, I have these conversations with people about your tech, and I'm not here to promote your tech, but it's good, it works, it does what we, you know, it does what we wanted to do, and it's something I'm thinking, yeah, this is great for us in terms of how we move forward. So I know now that I'm keeping in contact with people that we would never touch before. We, you know, would send them a bill out on completion and, and say goodbye, and, and that's it. You know, if they were lucky, they might have got some flowers or they might have got a chocolate cake or whatever. But now I know we're keeping in touch with them in the future, and I think that's important for us. But it's only as good as the brand remains. So, you know, it's no good. You know, we've got something like we're in touch now with something like seventy thousand contacts through Lifecycle. Now, I couldn't have done that before. Mm. And and you know, I can I can I can get things done in the background a lot smoother and a lot more efficiently. And it's better doing it that way than increasing the labour force. Yeah. Because the labour force want holidays and they, they go on sick and they, they mourn and whinge sometimes and, and, and can cause issues because they've not had a good day. Yeah. And so at least I know with technology as we move forward, I can look after the core business. And as I said before, start breeding PR people who are there to hold hands and, and um, be on the other end of the phone or you know when we get out of COVID being the other side of a desk or whatever we need to be. That that concept may well change completely. I mean, if you look now, I've had nine offices shut for the last year. Mm. So we've not had customers in. We're doing twice as much business. Yeah, There's got to be a lesson to be learned there. <laughs> there has to be something that was forced upon everybody. You have to figure this out, and everybody just figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, like most people, like my son is a great example. He's uh, just... Just gone senior school. He goes a little bit earlier where he is. He's in senior school, and they used to go into school with these big, heavy backpacks of books. Um, when schools reopened for a little bit last year, they said no books, and we'll just do all the work on an iPad. Brilliant. Now they're back to books again. It's like why? <laughs> You've already figured out how to do it all on an iPad. Yeah. And that's the worry. The worry is we're going to come out of this, and we're going to go back to where we were before. And, and I think 
you know, we, we we've got all I've got all my values now using um, using iPads, and we're you know, trying to trying to get away from a paperless system, and they can do things a lot quicker. They can do the floor plans on the iPad, they can do presentations and various other things. So we, we need to stick with that and, and, and move forward. But I'd say the worry is we take a backward step and sort of forget about Teams and Zoom and everything else, and we go back to meeting in Leeds and Bristol or wherever else. Yeah, which is all right. Which is all right if you're having a pint of beer or something. But yeah, <laughs> not for a cup. <laughs> um, I've got to ask you then. Um, you say '94 you started. '1994, uh, yeah, first, first. Started in '94. You've gone through the whole process of building up to nine offices. You've got a business there that many, most, many agents would be jealous of. You, you know, living a nice life. What makes you look at it now and decide that there's a new destination required for the company? Uh, I've probably had more time to sit back now. I, I mean, I do. The, the business has allowed me to get involved with various other things in, in, in terms of the community that we're living and, and various other things, which is great. And that, in, in, in its own right, brings in business. Um, but but I, I feel that I'm in a very privileged position now because um, this is work. It's 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 a way of life, and and that is that is the difference. And I think now I see some of the um, things that are coming or are coming available that I could never have dreamt of in the past in the early years. And I, and I think on that basis that, that it's it's a it's a really good time to be in. You know, and, and I think because we are busy at the moment and we're making money, I can look at investing in the future. Whereas, you know, in some cases in the past we've not had that ability to go ahead and do that. We've just had to get it get your head down and you know and, and tunnel through and get and get houses on the market. You know, it's like some of the portals, you know, if you if you'd asked me a year ago but be careful what I say. It depends who watches it. So, <laughs> um, you know, the portals are, are probably in many cases by a lot of estate agents are looked as uh, leeches, effectively. Cost us a lot of money. What do they do? Now I look at them as um, a mining tool. Hmm. So I want as many contacts in my system as I can possibly get. And the more they can give me, the more I can do something with it. So I'm investing in that now. Whereas before I was spending money on it and begrudging every penny that I paid. That's a great way of looking at it, the difference <laughs> between the spending and the investing. I mean, I was thinking about something similar myself, whereby there's a difference, isn't there, between the mindset of when you're looking at your personal finances and mm. you want to save money and a business. Mm. What, what are you saving for really in a business? Really, you would just want to be earning more. You don't necessarily so cutting back on stuff. Yeah, okay, unnecessary expenditure. But ultimately, how much are these things making you? What's the end goal, and how quickly can we get there? Is the only thing you're interested in, really, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's basically what I want to do. I want to be the best. You know, and I would think most agents want to do the same thing. And I want, you know, I, I feel very proud if somebody comes to me in uh, the courts or where I, where I'm at, and, and suddenly say, "I oh, just let you know, so and so, you know, Julie, so and so sold sold my house." They did a really good job. Well, that, that, that's what I want. I like that. I think great. I don't want somebody coming to me and say, I've got to have anything else in the market for you for the last two years and you haven't got me any offers and everybody you sent a few cancelled. You know, so but I think that I think that is the positive side to it. But it, you're right, I think in terms of you need to keep your staff happy, you know, because they, they're they're you know, and they're a big chunk of your, your expenditure. But give them the tools to be able to do the job more efficiently. And, and, and sometimes that can be abused through uh, texting and emailing and everything else instead of picking up the phone and sorting something out. And, and again, having the processes in the background in terms of automation allows those people to free up time to go ahead and do that. And then we've got to spend time training them and say, this is what I want to do. 
what I have learned over the years is you can't just say to somebody once, this is what you'll do, and not revisit it, because they go back to what they were doing before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so, all right, then, that's, that's, a, that's a, I mean, that's a, uh, amazing advice. Final question. Hmm. Um, there are a lot of people out there who... It's difficult as a business owner, you know, that, that transition you spoke about from when you got to three branches and suddenly it was like someone else is going to do the valuations now. And they were, they're going to immediately judge that person when somebody doesn't come on the market and they're going to go, well, hold on a minute, I need to get back to doing these myself. How do you get through that? How does somebody get to the mindset of realising, yeah, but you can't do nine branches worth of valuations yourself. So there's a tipping point whereby, yes, if it's just you and one other person, then yes, you could probably do it better, but you... You can't grow a business that way. So, oh. how do you, how do you, how does somebody get over that? You, again, it's, it's recruiting the right people and having confidence in those people. And I'm not the best in terms of managing. I'll probably admit it. I, I send out some uh, very um, erratic and um, um, some very strong emails, <laughs> <laughs> but I do it because because I'm passionate about what we do. And I, and I know I've, lo- I've learned now over the years that that's not the right way to deal with it. And, and I've done it before. I've jumped back in after maybe after branch five. I've probably gone back into valuing significantly in an office again because I didn't have the right person there. And I've enjoyed it. But I'll, I'll do things for a certain period of time and then I'll, I want to move on again. So again, it's, it's recruiting that person in. We've now created what we call branch team leaders in each branch. And, and I've got to um, become more and more uh, open to giving them more and more responsibility. And the beauty in this firm is that two of my sons, David and Richard, are, are partners in the firm. Um, and it's, you know, I mentioned this this morning, you know, it's not really a partnership, it's a dictatorship. Because I, I, I know what I want and I, I, I try and enforce that on everybody else. But I'm gradually now taking more of a backseat because I'm involved with other things that they're having to now step in even more. And, and, you know, it's not something you can give somebody a book on the state agency. You can't say, hey, this is how you here. I'll read this and you can set up tomorrow. It's a learning curve. But as long as the passion's inside you to get on, then you will get on. And if that means delegating tasks to people because you need to do other things, uh, you've got to have, you've got to, you've got to empower them to be able to go ahead and do it. But, I'll, but keep on top of it as well. So would you say, like, when finding the right staff, it's more about finding somebody with the, the right passion and who 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 just seems to be aligned with your way of thinking than it is about finding somebody who's got five years worth of ex- experience value in houses yeah and and um yeah it, it really is and, and, and different people would manage people a different way i i look at you know i look at somebody and say i expect you to do what i would do in that situation yeah so you know for a value i'd expect you to turn up a couple of minutes beforehand i'd expect you to look smart i'd expect your car to look clean and I'd expect you to do whatever you tell the customer you're going to do. So if you sell me back to you in an hour, then I expect you to be back in an hour. But again, not everybody does it that way. I mean, if you look at our industry, there are some firms that will shine. There are other firms that just seem to plod along. And, it, you know, that, that is the difference. So there's still, there's still a massive marketplace there, but you've got to watch you don't just get driven into a fee war scenario on the basis that um, you all do the same thing. So who's going to do it the cheapest? Yeah, awesome. So, what what do you think's next for for uh, for Michael Paul then, for you personally and for the company? For me personally, um, oh, I've just been overloaded this year with I don't want to brag, but I'm doing all sorts of things. 
that, 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 that are great. I would never, probably never have the opportunity to do, but you go into one thing and it leads into another thing and leads into another thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably having to take more of a back seat from what's going on. But again, the beauty of the tech is I can be anywhere and see what's going on. So that, for, for, from my point of view, I think that's good. I think from, from the firm's point of view, we're looking at various strategies in terms of um, splitting some of the organization up into different companies and retaining the partnership and various other things to try and make us a bit more leaner and a bit more efficient. And, and I'll certainly be passing more over to my team leaders and my partners to uh, get heavily involved in how we transition forward. Because I think I think the next 12 or 18 months are going to be very, very crucial to a lot of firms as we come out of um, COVID restrictions and how we react to a marketplace that may well towards the end of this year might be completely different to what we're looking at at the moment. But we've got to be, you've got to be looking ahead all the time. We've got to be one step ahead. So I, th I think things, you know, I'm looking forward to life cycle too. There's a plug for you. And that wasn't intentional. <laughs> you can send me an envelope later on if you want to. <laughs> um, but, you know, you know this, this, the idea of people being able to register online and, and change the requirements without having to ring Joe Smith up on a Saturday afternoon. And oh, there's lots of things that, you know, and to be honest, I don't know why it's taken so long to come along. No. But, you know, those are basic things that we need to do because I can, my staff can be doing better things than that. Brilliant. All right, Mike. And it's brilliant talking to you. I love the fact that, you know, 94, you started the agency and you're still pushing the boundaries of what's possible and the innovation and all of that stuff. The journey that you've been on, uh, phenomenal. So thanks very much for sharing that with us. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Thank you. Fuck what you heard. It's what you hearing. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. It's what you hearing. Listen. Go give it to ya. Fuck wait for you to get it on your own. X go deliver to ya. Knock knock, open up the door, it's real. It's a non-stop.